Hello, hello, this is Kenya, and we are back with our Rewind Replay Summer episodes Our uh, as we take a little bit of a hiatus, but we'll be back after Labor Day. So I am excited to replay episode 116, where we interviewed the one and only R&B classic soul singer Shirley Jones from the Jones Girls. Wow, wow, and wow. <laughs> really, really amazing opportunity to um, be able to interview such an iconic figure in, in R&B uh, soul music. So in this episode, um, Shirley shares a truly remarkable music journey um, that she had with her sisters, including how their mom fully groomed and developed them to be both, you know, impeccable singers, but also embodied like this very, very high level of professionalism. Shirley shares a variety of stories from their careers, including how they auditioned and became the background singers for Diana Ross, Wah! as well as the go-to background vocalist in R&B soul music, you know, recordings in general. In addition to the musical experiences, Shirley does a really fantastic job of discussing the importance of understanding the business side of music, including royalty and publishing administration, um, and all that you need to do to create a legacy of wealth. So as a listener, I, I think you're going to be inspired by her stories, but you're also going to gain a lot of really good advice on how to polish yourself within artist development and professionalism and just business acumen in general in the music industry. So get your notes, get your headphones, do what you need to do and enjoy this episode with Shirley Jones. Welcome to the Making Money in the Music Business podcast, where we share insightful views on a variety of topics in the music industry that can help you make more money from your music business. And now, here are your hosts, Dr. William E. Smith and Kenya McGuire-Johnson. Hey, Kenya, we are back. Dr. William Smith. How are you? That is me. I am doing well. <laughs> <laughs> that is you, Willie. I'm, I'm going to start calling you Willie. No, Willie, no, no. Willie. I don't know why I'm saying that. I, well, because, you know, the Will E and then Will A, Willie. I don't know. Yeah. Anyway, anyway, <laughs> it's, another <laughs> it's another week in Making Money in the Music Business podcast land. And I don't know about you, Will, but I just think our guest, I think every week is just, it's like pow, 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 pow. Uh, yeah. Like just it, really. It's getting bigger and better <laughs> all the time. I mean, it's amazing. Oh, man. <laughs> it is. It's is. It's been so fun. And if we have any new listeners, because I know that more and more people are now starting to tune in who may not um, have heard the podcast before. So just to, I wanted to just, before we do our music tip, just very, very quickly, you know, let people know that, yes, this, it is called Making Money in the Music Business, but it's really, really more about hearing the stories and hearing advice on how to navigate mm -hmm. <laughs> this music business and how to have some level of success and hearing people's stories, how they've done it. And, you know, on top of that, how they've developed their craft, but also how they've developed their, their music business, you know, acumen and their abilities. So right. it's fun. It's, it's not all business business. Um, we get to hear some amazing stories of how artists have lived just really tremendous musical experiences while 
also offering advice to those who are trying to get into the music industry. So exactly. Welcome to our podcast. And Will, you are up. What is our music tip of the week? All right. Well, our music tip is not uh, the the deep, um, what technical <laughs> or <laughs> or uh, you know, fit business focused um, tip that we normally have, but it's more, actually more of a uh, conceptual tip, and it's basically okay. to create your own sound, and mm-hmm. what that means is basically um, for producers. Um, Spend time making your own virtual instruments and getting your own sample library and basically just synthesize your own stuff, like have sounds that are individual to you that will make you stand out whenever you send out projects for artists or music sync sync licensing or whatever. It's basically to have your own individual sound and uh, singers and instrumentalists, you know, create your own phrases, riffs and language. And that's really how jazz musicians can tell who's playing. They they just listen to mm-hmm. the person's language and their riffs that they're using. And so it's basically, you know, creating your own sound and also just to add creating your own chord progressions. If you're a composer, you're a songwriter, mm-hmm. uh, ry- rhythms, mm-hmm. choose different different instruments for your recording. So basically just to stand mm-hmm. out. That's why... Um, you know, people are just like copying other people's sound and copying this and that, mm-hmm. and they're not getting mm-hmm. across or getting the success that they want to have because, you know, there's somebody else that's doing that. So create something right. that's unique to you. Right. That is it. It's your signature. It's your ID. Exactly. It's your, you know, there's certain things that artists do. You know, those artists that we remember, it's because there's something that the moment we hear a song, we know it's them. Yep. And whether it's vocally or, you know, like you just said, musically, um, you know, those, I I would say those who have the biggest success and the most memorable and longevity is because there's a very distinct thing (laughs) that they did Mm -hmm. that nobody else, you know, tapped into. And it's not about being, you know, you know, just so mesmerizing as much as original, you know, and, and that, yeah. Today's podcast is brought to you by Bandzoogle. From garage bands to Grammy winners, Bandzoogle powers the websites for thousands of musicians around the world. Their simple step-by-step system will get you online literally in minutes. You can choose from dozens of mobile-friendly templates, then customize your design and content in just a few clicks. Built for musicians by musicians, Bandzoogle has all of the features you need for your website and EPK already built in. This includes tools to sell music and merch commission-free right on your website, stream your music with flexible options for music downloads, commission-free crowdfunding and fan subscription features, mailing list tools to grow your fan list and send professional newsletters, integrations to pull in content from your online services, including YouTube, Twitter, and SoundCloud, and live support from their musician-friendly team. Not one, not two, but seven days a week. Banzoogle plans start at just $8.29 per month. Yep, that's what I said, just $8.29 per month. And includes your own free custom domain name. Gotta love that. Go to banzoogle.com to try it for free for 30 days 
and be sure to use our promo code Making Money Pod to get 15% off the first year of your subscription. That's again, Making Money Pod to get 15% off the first year. Awesome. Good tip. And I, that's a nice, because I think, you know, our guest today, my goodness, talk about creating your own identity mm-hmm. <laughs> and longevity. Oh, Lord, this is going to be really fun. Um, I'm really honored to introduce our guest and, and bring what's been really cool is we've been able to bring people on the podcast who really are are who who have put stamps mm-hmm. <laughs> on music, Definitely. you know, and have created tra- traditions. Yeah. And so this guest is no different. And I, I don't, I usually let our guests, as y'all know, let them tell their story. But I, I do want to preface a bit. So, you know, some of you may be like, you know, our, our younger generation, like my kid generation, when they're listening and they see the name Shirley Jones, it's like, hmm. And I'm like, oh, you just don't know. So <laughs> our guest today, I mean, she, this, she is part of a, a female group that, I mean, truly a powerhouse in R&B and soul. And, um, you know, you going to make me love somebody else. Y'all know this song. Don't make me sing it because she's here and I don't want to mess it up. But um, that song, <laughs> and Nights Over Egypt, and Who Can I Run To? I mean, these are, these are, oh my God. As a singer, I am gushing big time. So I want to welcome... Miss Shirley Jones. Hey. Shirley, welcome. Hey, Shirley. Hi. Hello. How is everybody doing? And please don't get me confused with the the um, Shirley Jones, I think, from the Partridge family or somewhere. That's yes. what a lot of people yes. And then from, you know, I have to let them know, no, 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 yes. this is the Jones. This is the, the African-American Shirley Jones. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> Right, because if you go and Google, you're right. You're going to have two different Shirley Jones pop up. But if you put the Jones girls, automatically, boom, exactly. we're, we're where we need to be. Exactly. We're where we need to be. So, so Shirley, again, thank you. Welcome to our podcast. Um, we, we're just really honored to have you. And we know you have a yep. lot going on, which is really awesome that even this many years being in the music, you're still busy. I mean, that's... That says a lot. It's perfect. Uh, right yeah, it's there. perfect so. timing for me too because, in addition to the longevity, it I'm on a mission since uh, the the death of my sister Brenda to keep that that legacy and that sound of the Jones girls alive and well. So now that she's no longer here, well, Valerie has been deceased for quite some time. Mm-hmm. So it's all on me now, and I'm more determined than ever to make sure people never forget the Jones girls. Right. Mm, I love it. I love it. I love it. Well, if you could let our listeners know, just if you could give them just, you've got a rich background. So, and we only got like, feels like five minutes, but (laughs) I definitely want to hear more about (laughs) how the Jones girls, like how, how this came to be and, um, you know, what that experience was like for you guys to even become what you became. And then, you know, obviously we'll get more into what you're doing today. Well, we, the Jones Girls, are original blood sisters from Detroit, Michigan, Motown, and we, it's the three of us. We started out as background singers for my mom, uh, and she was the first black gospel singer that my mother 
uh, that RCA Records signed back in, they signed my mother to their gospel label the same day that they signed Little Richard. Hmm. And so she was quite popular, had records out and even a couple of records that we did with her that's on this uh, CD called The Jones Girls, The Early Years. And we started out as Mary Fraser Jones and the Jones sisters performing all around the region of, say, Michigan, Ohio, Illinois, along with groups like uh, the Winans, the Clark sisters. In fact, Maddie Moss Clark uh, played piano for my mother in the very beginning when she was with RCA Records. So we started there in gospel music, of course, and then we... Hold on one minute. Then we let, uh, we start, uh, we moved around. Music Merchant, the Holland Dozier Holland. At about 12 years old, they started, people started hearing about us and they, we started having us come in to do background work for artists like Free the Pain, uh, the Honeycomb, doing, because people just, started hearing about how tight and close our harmonies were. And then from there, Mm -hmm. yeah, from there, Curtis Mayfield heard about us. We were on his label. We were on the Music Merchant label. And then we just kept going, moving on, doing background primarily to one or two records of our own that became regional hits. Uh, And then followed uh, Holland, George Holland, McKinley Jackson, and all those guys to California. And then that's where we met Diana. Uh, and of course, once we became her background singers, that's the rest is where the Jones girls actually became the Jones girls. She's talking about yeah. Diana Ross yeah. for those who all, she just oh, dropped, yeah. she just dropped <laughs> Diana. And, uh, but, but she's right. talking about Diana Ross. Right. The, the awesome. boss, Miss Ross. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that would be the one. That would be the one. That is amazing. And so what was it? And and I'm sorry, no, Will, you ask your question. See, Will, I'm going to take over. No, no, oh my no God, worries. Will, no talk. worries. I'm I'll, sorry. Go, go uh, ahead. You, you got it. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, being able to do this level of background vocals, you know, for these for this level of artists and then obviously, you know, Diana Ross, what was the turning point that you, the three of you were like, it's time for us to just let us be, you know, the forefront. And, you know, what was that turning point? And then well, we have, how did how did things have to change for you? We had had, uh, at 13 and 15, I think I was 13 when we had a local hit, a couple of local hits on the music merchant label that were local. Mm-hmm. And, that, you know, we were like, okay, this is, this is cool. You know, they, <laughs> you know, everybody in Detroit started, you know, knowing us and, then when we were with Kurtom, we had more of a, a regional, a couple of regional that were, you know, and I think it even charted a couple of songs that we did with him. And, uh, but we always fell back on our performing because we, we performed, we, we put together a really great show thanks to my mom who, once she finally let us, uh, you know, approved of us being in the secular. She said, well, you know, but one thing about it, if you guys are going to perform and put out records, just remember the things that I taught you, you know, always 
strive for perfection in in your music and everything that you do. So mm-hmm. we did that and we put together a really really great show. So people started wanting us uh, based off of the the regional and then local hits. But we were always able to depend on someone somewhere wanting us to do background work, thanks to McKinley Jackson. So we became the the go-to group for, for people that, mm-hmm. because they knew that we, we would come in there, do our job, do it, you know, quickly, which in those days saved a ton of money yep. for producers. Mm-hmm. And um, that we would even create background parts, which we didn't know then. We know now, I know now, that uh, <laughs> the all those parts that we were creating, we really could have asked for uh, part writers on these songs. Exactly. Uh, which my BMI mm-hmm. checks and stuff that I get now would, would be a lot bigger, but, you know, I, do, I know that now, and we did learn towards the end and, and started getting more writers' credit, so I, you know, I have all the, mm-hmm. the kids, um, Brenda and Valerie's uh, children are all connected. I set them all up. So they do get their mom's uh, sound exchange, the BMI, yeah. all of that. So they, they're, they're set up where they get those monthly um, checks. Because uh, I was listening to you all talk about making money musically. You, you have to remember that what what you do is you know is passed on to your uh, to, to your kids. So mm-hmm. especially when it comes to like sound exchange, BMI, all of those royalties. So you make sure you know because that that sets your your children up too. So you make sure that you you know get connected into all of those things when as you're writing and producing. Make sure you're with the right organizations to. To get that, to get your royalties, and and then make sure that that it's all set up for your children once you're no longer even here. Um, mm-hmm. Exactly. But when, once we moved to California, uh, there were only two groups, pretty much, that people that were in demand for doing backgrounds, and that's uh, ourselves, and then of course the other family. It was two guys and two girls known as the Waters. You see their names on a lot of the uh, albums back in the day. And we were friends, and but and we were always, you know, in demand. Uh, and then one day when we were coming from a session, McKinley Jackson, who happened to be managing us at the time, and he was also my, my guy, he and I were living together. Uh, he happened to mention that Diana Ross was looking for some singers. And she had been turning everybody down for her upcoming <laughs> worldwide tour. And she was turning everyone down. He wanted to know if we would if, if we would be interested in auditioning. Uh, and then, of course, they, you know, the, the thing was, she's, she's hard to please, blah, blah, blah. And then we were like, <laughs> hey, we don't care. Diana, I mean, we grew up emulating the Supremes. My mother used to make us out- right. outfits and put little wigs on us. Like so, so that we could. I'm serious. We look just like the Supreme. She would make us our outfits, wow. and I, when he mentioned the Supremes, we're like Diana Ross. We're like absolutely, we want to audition. We didn't care. You, we didn't care. You know, if she turned us down, at least we we could say we've auditioned for Diana Ross. So exactly. <laughs> so we went up there. Exactly. 
uh, thinking that we were auditioning for her music director, <laughs> Gil Askey, and her road manager, Don, we, we actually went, went up to his house and we thought it was just going to be for her music director and Don. And so we went up there and we met them and McKinley sat down at the piano and started playing uh, uh -huh. Reach Out and Touch Somebody's Hand and Ain't No Mountain High Enough. And right in the middle, mm -hmm. I don't think we were even finished with Ain't No Mountain High Enough, when lo and behold, she comes out of a back room. <laughs> and it was Brenda had to run to the bathroom because she said she threw up. <laughs> I I just could not. Valerie and I just stood there with our eyes and mouths open, and she even she even started laughing. And the only words out of her mouth is that you guys are terrific. Can you get passports? We're going to London. I will remember those wow. words for the rest of my life. Wow! And we just oh stood there in gosh. shock. Yeah, we stood there in shock because this is Diana, <laughs> Diana Ross. I mean, come on. <laughs> I know, this is crazy. Right? Yes. Right. And, and this, this woman's asking us, we're like, London, which she says, you guys are terrific. Can you get passports? We're going to London. We're like, London? Mm. The furthest we'd ever been was where we were, Los Angeles from right. Detroit. <laughs> you know? And uh, right. McKinley, he was laughing at the piano. I guess he knew she was going to be there, but, and I guess they mm -hmm. didn't want us to know that she was going to be there, you know, to help with our nerves and everything. Yeah. yeah. They, all know, they almost had to, exactly. they almost had to take all three of us to the hospital because <laughs> we, we were, I mean, when she walked into that room, you have to remember that this is 1976, 77. She was absolutely. This is her prime. Yeah. yeah she was absolutely yeah. the, the largest entertainer in the world. So right. yeah, yeah, and and here yeah. we were, young girls fresh out of Detroit, just taking a big step of moving to California, and here she is saying, you know, can you guys get passports? We're going to London. I'm like, yeah, okay, so great. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so that that was a huge, huge, huge tour for her that that went around the world. Of, you know, London. Mm -hmm. All of Europe, Germany, uh, uh, Japan. We we went all around the world with that tour, and it was all men, you know. Because back in those days, you carried the whole. This was before synthesizers and all of that. Right. People of her caliber carried the entire rhythms, not only just the rhythm section, but the horns and strings too. So mm -hmm. it was like thirty mm -hmm. guys mainly, and then just us. Diana and her wardrobe assistant. So she was very protective of us. And um, mm -hmm. when we were overseas, she would take us shopping with her now, on her days, on our days off. She was always checking to make sure, you know, we were taken care of and where we were. And that's why when people say, oh, I heard that Diana Ross was this, that, or the other. Uh, so, you know, yeah, I always mm -hmm. tell them, mm -hmm. Diana Ross was the large, biggest entertainer in the world. And if she were a man, people would not have said anything about her, except that she right. was she was right. a strong man. Uh, but because she was a perfectionist yeah. and demanded right. that of anybody that worked with her and she was female, they consequently always said, oh, I heard that she was this or she was that. She was not. She was a perfectionist. Mm -hmm. And I absolutely yeah. right. adore her for 
her perfectionism, uh, professionalism, the fact that she demanded uh, people to be professional and to strive to be the best around her. And that's the way it's supposed yeah. to be. Yeah. Male exactly. or female. Exactly. Exactly. You, you, exactly. You've hit on like so, so many things. Uh, you actually answered a lot of the questions I was going to ask you. But because uh, one of the questions, you know, uh, out of all your experiences as an artist, I was going to ask you, you know, what was one experience that really inspired you? You just hit it right on the nose. Um, like yeah, you said, you always remember those words. And I totally feel that. Um, oh, yes. but, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, it's that, and that's, that's, that's amazing, you know, just to hear that story. Um, but I, I want to sort of go, go in reverse a little bit and get, um, what, what was it? Cause, cause every, cause Cynthia told me about you, you know, years ago and, uh, and just would, would talk about you all just as a, a unit and your, your ability just to create like, like one sound from three voices. And I, I wanted you to just go into that from a, a vocalist perspective, because I know Kenya would love to hear that. And, of course, a lot of our <laughs> listeners would love to hear That's that. That's one of my questions. <laughs> I yeah, know. go ahead. Yeah. Um, well, you know, I, I have to attribute, I really have to attribute that to my mother. My mother uh, was a super, super singer, but she also wanted to make sure that we once she knew that we had voices and she started hearing the voices and putting the harmonies together she had us rehearse we rehearsed at least every day mm. for at least a good two or three hours and the the more the closer we got to teenagers and became teenagers it seemed like it was rehearsing all day to keep us from hanging out in the neighborhood mm. with the boys. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. but she did that. Mm-hmm. She also had us take piano lessons so that we would be well-rounded. We took ballet, we took tap, we um, took vocal lessons at the Detroit Conservatory. Of, so in addition to her training our voices, because she was choir director too for, at our church, uh, Russell Street Baptist Church for years. Mm-hmm. So she knew how to train. She knew how to have us harmonize. So I attribute that to her. And I mean, just constantly uh, having us practice over and over, learning how to make those voices blend. If one was too loud, we, you know, you, we knew how to pull back. We learned that. And then in addition to my mother, Valerie happened to be born with perfect pitch. So we had we got it for both ways. If things weren't sounding right to Valerie's ear, we had we we had to keep practicing and keep practicing till those voices blended just like cutting butter. And that's something that my mother taught us. And that's something that we once we learned that and 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 became really uh, proficient at that. That's another reason why we were in such demand as background vocalists. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it is yeah. something we were taught to just strive for perfection in everything that we do. And, and that came from my mother. And then to move on to, to, you know, to be background singers for Diana Ross and watch how she demanded that too. And even now with with singers, I am so 
not hard on singers, but I'm very, very picky with the singers that I choose to work with me because when I'm out on the road, I tell the singers that I, well, first of all, I haven't had to get any in a while because once I, I have a set of singers, a couple of sets of singers here in the States mm-hmm. and a set of singers over there in, in uh, uh, London that I use when I, whenever I'm in Europe and, and that, that way they travel that whole uh, mm-hmm. circle with me. And that's because I'm on a mission to keep, I, I have people, I want people in the audience to remember those sounds. So when, when I have singers that are able to have that harmony sound as close to the way we sounded back in the day when we were with Philly International and doing songs like Nights Over Egypt and You're Gonna Make Me Love Somebody Else and I Just Love the Man and Dance During the Romance, Who Can I Run To? I want, it, it makes my job easier because I'm the lead vocalist on the songs where there's a lead and I can do my job and then people can, can read, they always come up to me and say, oh my God, you took me back to, I was in high school, I was in love with this guy. And, then, <laughs> yeah, and that, then, yeah. then when, when they tell me that, that means I did a good job because I, I want people to get away from their problems and all of that and go back to a time yeah. where this music made them feel good. And that's, that's what I yeah. feel my job is. And that, that's what I love about uh, continuing this legacy of the Jones girls. That's yeah, that there's just so many. <laughs> oh, you're right. Will. as a singer, I, I'm a singer, Shirley. Okay. And I, I think, I mean, you've said so, yeah, you've said so many just really amazing things that I think, in today's music industry, you know, it's so good for people to hear the level of practice and rehearsal and dedication and discipline, you know, to get, it wasn't, I think a lot of people today, because of the way society is running and how you can access things quickly, um, I think people just really, they don't invest in, in that level of discipline as much, especially I think, you know, you, I'm not saying everyone, because I think you do have singers, of course, who are doing that. But um, when you're saying hours, you know, per day, just to get, just to lock in. It says oh it, take, you know, it takes 10,000 so hours to, to lock, to master something. And that's, exactly. your, yeah, exactly. And you know, the, and I, I know the other best thing that I think was going on back in the day was actually how there was no such thing as flying. Like I was amazed the first time I went into the studio, Brenda Valerie and I, uh, to do a background session, you know, like 20th, 20th, 20th century, 21st century, mm-hmm. where they said, mm-hmm. okay, you guys just have to put this down one time and we're going to fly it through the song. Right. We're like, if I we're like fly it <laughs> yeah. through the song and we're, we're like, come on. Because, you know, when we were coming up, you had to sing that stuff exact. And that in itself yep. trained so many vocalists from back in the day. And that's yep. why a lot of, so many of us are able to perform and do shows, you know, hour long shows uh, and, and, and still keep that energy where the, and then people uh, where these young groups can't even do a 15 or 20 minute show because that's what I was just about to say, Shirley, they can't do a three, three song show. Right. They can't. And people could be complaining because when you had to go in the studio and do that stuff exact, 
you know, for not not just one time, but usually three or four tracks, you know, you, it was it, that helped too to condition and train your voices. And so that yeah. in a way, technology yeah. is good, but I tell people all the time, the worst thing that could have happened for singers is for them to be yes. able to sing this stuff one time and, and one pass at it and then they <laughs> fly it through the song. You don't have to do anything else. I'm just oh, weird. Shirley, <laughs> I love you. I, I, please, singers, listen to this. Yes. No, because the dis, the discipline impacts the performance. It absolutely. And so, if you can't, absolutely. if you can't sit in the studio and get things down, it also influences your ear. It, it influences the whole thing. So, if if you don't do this consistently, when it's time to show up, you haven't practiced to show up. Right. And so, yeah, your voice is tired. You're using all these compensatory, you know, things to try to get a, a song, hit a high note. You, you know, all this stuff. It's like, but if you have been training your voice all along, it is a muscle. It is, it, it will, it will sustain you right. if you learn how to do this, if you learn how to do it right. And I'm always in awe when I see artists. I know I went to a Smokey Robinson show and I mean, Smokey just turned 80, right? Yes. And I think he just literally had a birthday turning 80. Mm. Yes. And this show, this man, I mean, it was, we had been two hours in this show and Smokey was singing like he had just hit the stage. And I was like, oh my God, exactly. like he is still going, like strong. And I'm like, oh my God. So yeah. Because he's, he's from that, that, that school where we had to, you had to do that stuff yeah. over and over. And no matter how prepared you were, you still knew that when you went in there to do those background vocals and we were known to be quick. You were still going to be in the studio mm -hmm. for six to eight hours because you had to stack yep. your voices through, through. You had to do the whole song over and over and over <laughs> again because there was no such thing yeah. as being able to clip it and fly it anywhere. Yep. <laughs> you know, no such yep. thing. Yep. Cut and paste. And that's just, it's just so important. I work with a producer now. He won't let me fly anything either. Like we rarely will fly. I do my own background vocals on a lot of stuff. And, and not only does he not only like for me, he doesn't want to fly it, but he's also like when we're stacking, mm -hmm. he's like, I don't want you to, I want, I want you to, he doesn't let me listen while I'm singing. Like I have to sing. I just have to remember how I sung it just before so that he's like, because the performance is going to be off if you're leaning too hard on hearing what you just did. Right. So just remember what you did mm -hmm. and, and perform it and be strong. And, you know, if we have to do it again, we'll do it again. But, and it always turns out so much better. And, and when I work with other producers and they want to just, oh, we can just copy and stay. I'm like, no, 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 no. You're not going to, it's not going to sound, you know, the way that you are really wanting. What you're hearing from me that made you like, ooh, ooh, it was because I did that. Right. But it's not going to be ooh, ooh, if I'm, you know, cutting corners in weird ways. And that's why. So I really appreciate When we were in the that. studio, we would always, the first pass, we would put the S's on or, you know, um, and then the, the other two or three tracks that whatever they required, we would pull back so that you would hear, you wouldn't hear a whole bunch of you know, or, or T's. Exactly. And then, or, exactly. or one of us, if one of us had a dominant uh uh, note at the, the, we would be the one that would do the tea, but these are something uh, that Brenda and Valerie and I would would discuss amongst each other to make sure that our harmonies were perfectly in sync with each other per track, no matter which track. And this, though, that it, we just became just so accustomed to doing it that it was just like 
just like clockwork. That's why I miss those girls so terribly. And the, but the good thing is that when when every singer that I have, and I like I say I have two sets here in the states. You know, one for like East Coast stuff, and, and a set over in the West Coast, and then I have a set over in mm-hmm. each. All of these girls have told us that have told me that they grew up listening to our music and and you know mm-hmm. wanted wanting the they're in the girls groups that they're in wanting to sound just like the jones girls and that makes me feel good so that 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 i know that they have studied because we practiced our behinds off with my mother <laughs> and in the, the the detroit conservatory of musical arts and even with kenny gamble and then uh, on our own, whenever we were doing sessions, mm-hmm. we love, we enjoy the practicing for other people. They're back doing the background for like Aretha and Teddy and all those people. We enjoy that. We get together and have more fun practicing, making sure that we were getting ready to give them the best sound of the Jones Girls that that they could ever expect and then saw. Yeah, Ken- wow. Kenya and I have mm-hmm. the. Uh, well, we we actually where we met is in Howard Gospel Choir, yeah. so uh, mm-hmm. we we know that level of dedication and professionalism that it takes to to really create uh, vocal perfection. And um, yeah, yeah, we had a, an amazing choir director at Howard University, and our gospel choir. He would have us rehearse. I, I want to say. I want to say, Charlie, we were, was it, it was two. Now we're in college, granted, you know, we, we got to go to school. That's where I wanted <laughs> we're to go. all majoring in all this stuff. Right. And, uh, and we on Tuesdays and Thursdays, I want to say it was Monday. No, maybe it was Mondays it was and Thursday mon- nights. Yeah. It was two nights a week. It was two nights a week and rehearsals were from seven to 10 and we got one five minute break and we, and, 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 and I mean, five minute, we were lucky if we could get the five minute. And I mean, we just going through that training, that discipline oh. that, I mean, and we were always just really locked in. It's you're so locked in that it gives you so much freedom then to, to, to perform and to, to get into the song. Like you said, it becomes so fun because you're not so focused on, uh Oh, what's the note? Because you're just locked. Right. Right? You're, you're locked. And I, I think so many artists, you know, today, you know, that training aspect I'm a big, big person on somewhere in your musical venture. Please go get some formal training somewhere so that you can learn the discipline of the craft. It's not about, oh, I'm going to become a better singer as much as it's about becoming a more disciplined exactly. and, and more locked in. And I, yeah. I vocalize yeah. to this day. I tell young girls, and I still, my music, I have a guy that whenever I'm getting ready to go overseas and especially do a a long string of, of uh, tour tour dates like I did a couple of years ago with the OJs. I get with him, you know, and generally I start like four weeks before I'm actually going out and I'll get with him a couple of days a week and he go he, he goes mm-hmm. through my drills, you know, he goes through the vocal cords, the everything with me mm-hmm. just so that because it's a lot it's a lot of hard work out there and it's a lot of work when you're doing yes. 45 minutes to an hour show and it's all you, yes. you know, um, uh, yes. <laughs> especially yes. now because, you know, when, when Brent, when it was Brenda Valerie and I, I, I was still lead singer and yes, I did a lot of the work, but that is one of the reasons why we ended up having a, 
uh, female music director because she was able to hold that third note because for long periods of time, mm -hmm. we were so insistent on having those harmonies. I was jumping from lead to the top note, you know, to, <laughs> and you're talking about yeah. hard work. Yeah. That's why now I have That's three hard. girls. That's hard. I have That's hard. three girls because yeah. I, I'm not, I, I said, no, I'm not going to be doing all that jumping like I was doing with, you know, back with the Jones girls <laughs> days. And then they right. knew, you know, they right. even knew that that was hard on me. And that's why we, you know, our, our we ended up with a female music director who was able to yeah. carry that top note and, and give people that sound, that Jones girl sound. And then they, it freed me up to do my thing without having to jump back yeah. on the note. So, but, but it's all about yeah. striving for that perfection and those smiles on, on the audience faces and those mm -hmm. standing ovations. Mm -hmm. And that lets you know that they're, they're, they're pleased. Like I was just over in London, just yeah. got back last Sunday for some shows I did over there. And they were the best shows because the audiences absolutely yeah. just thoroughly enjoyed going on that journey down memory lane you know with the, myself and my yeah. sister so well this is uh, uh, uh we told you we'd go fast but uh yeah we're it is see, we're, we're at our 40 we're, minute we're, mark charlie see how mark. fast this wow uh, we gotta do this <laughs> again and talk about the other things <laughs> <laughs> but uh but i mean you you touched you touched on everything that uh, the questions that I had, but I mean, I, I definitely want you to go deeper into a couple of them. But we'll probably, we'll just have to have you back when you come back. So absolutely, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I want to make sure everybody knows that. Yes, you mentioned you you are going to be coming on the next season. The Jones Girls are going to be featured on the next season of Unsung, which I think is such a brilliant show to finally show us the true some some true heroes in in black music yes we, and um we started I filming I, I i just we started filming yeah, the other day and yeah. we're we're in we're on one of the fall episodes and i do have a new record up too that people can download now it hits radio awesome. uh tomorrow actually but you can download it and it's, it's a remake of who can i run to which is my favorite jones girl song and it's called okay. i won't mm. tell so jay Check, check it out. Tell. It's on okay. all of like Spotify, Pandora, Apple Music. You can download it right now. And you'll start, they will start hearing we'll it on radio as we'll of tomorrow. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. We'll put that in our show notes so that everybody can just click on. And yes, definitely. We have, I, I see you on social media. I'm following you. So I'll include your social media um, hashtag, not hashtags, uh, handles when we put it in our show notes. And you guys, please, this is this is legacy. And I, I love what you were also saying in terms of the BMI checks and the legacy. Yep. So oh, we're going to have to do a part two and how important it's not just about you in the present, it's about your future. Exactly. About, you know, and, and your, your family. Kids, and, your family. Yeah, your exactly. Yeah. Your yeah, family. Yeah. So. Yep. so we must do All it again. Right. And just, just let me know. We got to do it again. Yes. <laughs> we will. We'll put it down. We will. We'll all right. Yeah, yeah. Thank you so much. All right. Yeah. It's been yeah, my pleasure. So much. Uh, yeah. All right. And you guys have a great rest of your Sunday. You too. Oh, we will. Thank you so much. All right, audience. Make sure you stay tuned in. Okay. Take care. All right. Bye-bye. All right. Bye-bye. All right. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening, and we hope you enjoyed this podcast episode. If you would like to join our new artist development program, the 3MB Club, 
please contact us via email at 3mbpodcast at gmail.com. Please subscribe to our podcast on your podcast player and leave us a rating and review. Also, please leave us a comment on our Facebook or Instagram page. And if you would like to contact us about a specific topic, you can email us at 3mbpodcast at gmail.com.